Well, this last week especially, kids started back to school a little over a week ago. We're starting to get in the groove of things. We're getting uh, a little bit acclimated to, you know, this kind of new normal and the rhythms and the routines of waking up early and everything. This week especially, though, has been the most interesting week in the Haas family in a long time. That says a lot considering our current culture, climate, and everything too, doesn't it? So this week, let me tell you how Monday started, because Monday, I experienced several things, one main one, that I have never had to deal with before, period. We had a problem on Monday that I, in my, I won't tell you how many years, have never experienced. Now, some of you, this might be a shock. Some of you are like, man, that's it. That's, that's the biggest problem. For us, it was a big deal on Monday. It was the start of the week, getting kids at school and everything else. So it started by slowly getting our children up super early, didn't quite make it to the bus on time, so we missed the bus. Problem number one. But we've been there, done that. It happens, right? No big deal. In the rush of trying to get everybody out, Becky, my wife, is starting a new job this last week. So there's just a lot going on on Monday. We kind of divide and conquer a lot between my wife and I. So I went and got the car keys and said, I'll be in the van. I've got the book bags. I, I got the lunches. I got everything. Becky's getting the kids out. And it's just kind of frantic. And we go out the front door, which it's important to this story because we usually don't go out the front door, but just frantically trying to get out of the house, finally get the kids dropped off to school. My youngest, Collins, this is her first day of preschool. So we're trying to then hurry back so she can get dressed and get to her first day at preschool so my wife can make it to her first day at her job. And we pull up and I go to open the front door and it's locked. I'm like, hang on, no big deal. I've got my car keys. I pull out my car keys and they were the spare car keys that has nothing else on them other than car keys. I said, that's not a big deal. We never locked the garage door. So I open the garage door. I walk through our garage and I go to open the garage door. Garage door is also locked. Now I start to panic. And I'm like, the back door is our last shot. And we always keep that locked. But maybe there's a chance. So I go around the back door. What do you think, locked or unlocked? Locked. I come back around the front and I say, Becky, we are locked out of our house. And her response was great. And this, I take this as a compliment. She said, well, Brian, like, can't you figure out how to get in? I was like, that's fair. My wife actually thinks I can pick a lock. I felt so great as a husband until I had to say, no. <laughs> I have no clue how we're getting in the house. I was like, we can't break a window. I have no idea how we're going to get in. We don't have phones. We don't have wallets. We literally have nothing except a van key. So we're sitting out there and we're thinking through all the stuff of first day at school for Collins, how's that gonna work, and, and her first day at the job. So we go over, we have great next door neighbors, went over, told them the whole thing. They, of course, laughed at us, first of all. Then second of all, they made us coffee, which is the right order if you're a good and be a good neighbor and your neighbors are locked out. You can laugh about it and then you make coffee. So they made us coffee, we used their phone, we called a locksmith. So here we are, Becky and I, and then Collins, our daughter, sitting out on the front driveway, drinking coffee, waiting for the locksmith. Three hours later, finally showed up. He gets in in like 10 minutes, which I was thankful for, but a little nervous about at the same time. I was like, that should have been a little bit more difficult. By that point, Collins has missed her first day at preschool. By that time, my wife is like, it's not even worth me going into work for my first day. That's a great start for that one. 
right? Meetings are like, you know how that one thing that happens and it just ruins your whole day? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, that one thing, it messed everything up. I had plans and it messed everything up. If that one thing didn't happen, oh man, today would have been much better. So that was Monday. Good news is Tuesday, it didn't take much, but Tuesday was better than Monday. (laughs) But we all find those moments, don't we? Oh, that one thing just derailed everything. That one decision of locking the door, that one decision to not grab the actual house keys, you could go back and that one decision, man, it just seemed to mess everything up. As we're going on this journey from here to there, last week we talked about the Israelites crossing the Jordan River and there was this river in the way and God had promised to get them to the other side, but it seemed impossible. I don't know how we're gonna get through this. The Israelites have now made it miraculously across the river into the promised land. That's a big deal. This is generations old, the promises. And here they're finally in the promised land. You gotta be thinking, they're like, yes, finally, we made it. We have been going on this journey from here to there for generations and God's finally made good on his promise. We're in the promised land. But here's the reality. For the Israelites and for us, there are still problems in the promised land. You get to that place where, oh, we finally made it. Oh, I finally got the job. Oh, we finally got our kids back in school. Oh, I finally figured this out. Oh, we finally paid that off. You go through the, oh, we finally's to finally figure out there's always something else, right? There's always something else. Joshua chapter six, if you have your Bibles, that we're gonna spend most of our time in this part of the story. Listen to verse one. This is after the Israelites crossed over the river. It seemed impossible. God showed up, did a miracle. He got the Israelites, like he promised, into the promised land. And then verse 1. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So if I'm Joshua, if we're the Israelites, and we finally cross over to the promised land again, we're so excited until you see Jericho. Oh, God, I thought we were here. I thought we made it. I thought this was supposed to be it. And you promised, Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, go back and look. God promises, no one will be able to stand against you. I'm going to give this land to you. And now that we're in this land, all I see is Jericho. I thought we were past this. I thought we were beyond all of these problems. I thought we were finally moving into the from here from here to there. I finally thought we made it to the there. But as we realize, there's always something else. There's always going to be problems, even in the promised land. Here's what I want you to wrestle with this morning. I want you to name that problem. For the Israelites in this story, it's Jericho. They finally made it to see Jericho. <laughs> and now we have another problem. What is your Jericho right now? What is the thing that you're wrestling with? What's keeping you up at night? What feels like it's in the way? What is opposing you? What's your current opposition? I want you to, in your mind, name it. What's your Jericho? Let's pray and let's see how God leads the Israelites and how he might lead us as well. Jesus, thank you so much for the stories of old that inspire us, that encourage us, that help us, and as you say in Romans, give us hope. Hope because as we've said through this series, Things may change, but you never do. Our lives will continue to change and how you move in our lives and you move us forward. So God, I would pray that as we are facing a Jericho of our own, whatever problems are in front of us, 
the harsh reality that there's always something else as that sinks in. God, I pray that instead of being discouraged, just as you told your servant Joshua, may we not be afraid and not, may we not be discouraged. So teach us and show us how to move forward from here to there, no matter what we face. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's what happens next. So they cross the river, right? They're finally getting to the promised land, and then they're faced with Jericho. We just read that, where it's this city, this huge city that is completely fortified. No one's going in. No one's coming out. It seems like, yet again, there's something that's keeping the Israelites out. There's something in the way. So, of course, God shows up, speaks to Joshua. This is verse 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. Can we pause there and recognize the humor of our Lord God Almighty? Joshua's facing Jericho, where we just read, no one's coming in and no one's going out. And then God says, hey, Joshua, see, I have given them over to you already. If I'm Joshua, I'm thinking, what are you looking at, God? Because what I see is Jericho fully fortified. No one's in, no one's out. What are you looking at? Which city do you see that has already been defeated? Isn't it interesting how God sees something that Jericho or that Joshua doesn't see? That maybe God might see something very differently than you see something. That God's saying, I've already got this, and you're saying, that's not what it looks like. That God's saying, I've already won this battle, and you're just barely picking up the sword for battle. God says, see, it's already done. If I'm Joshua, I'm still a little nervous, but once again, there's a common theme in Joshua's life. Be strong and, you remember the other word? Courageous. God's giving him confidence. See, I've already conquered. See, you already have victory. So here Joshua has to have those two things, strength and courage. So God's going to give him some instructions. Here's the instructions. You might know this part of the story. It might sound familiar. Here's what God tells them to do in order to defeat the city of Jericho. Verse 3, march around the city one time with all the armed men and do this for six days. So once a day for six days, march around the city. Verse four, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing their trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a shout. Then the walls of the city will collapse and the army will go up and everyone will go straight in. God's like, see, it's easy. See, I've already got it figured out for you. All you have to do is march around the city one time for six days. Then on the seventh day, how many times do you go around it on the seventh day? Seven times, and you just shout. Blow your trumpets, shout, and the walls will come tumbling down. If you grew up in kids' church, there's a song that goes with that that I will not sing for you this morning. <laughs> See, the Israelites, they got to the promised land only to find another problem. And as we go from here to there, we're always going to be faced with another problem. Specifically, the Israelites' problem here is opposition. There is another city that is opposing them. There's another king that doesn't like them. There's a group of people that do, that do not want them to pass, pass through their land and take over their land, of course. So their problem, opposition. We're naming it for the Israelites. I told you earlier, name your Jericho. Name your problem. What is currently your opposition? That's their problem. Now, remember, God has already promised them victory. Even go back to chapter 1. 
He says, no one's going to stand against you. I'm going to give you this land. No one will be able to stand up against you and fight. I've got it covered. I'm going to give this to you. And that's super exciting. We would love to hear that promise of, we, we, just, we just talked about how God moves us and, and we claim some of those victories and that God is going to provide and all these things, all these promises we hold on to, oh, but we don't like the battle portion of this. So here the Israelites loved the promise that, see, I've already given this over to you, but in order to have a victory, you have to have a battle. You can't have a victory without a battle. Oftentimes, we just want the victory and we don't want the battle, do we? We just want the promise and don't have to necessarily do our part of it. So here, the Israelites are seeing the problem, opposition, but they're also remembering the promise of victory. See, I have already given them over to you. In our lives, we need to look at things very similar, similarly. There's a problem. Again, for the Israelites, it's opposition. I don't know what the problem is that you're facing. But no, if you claiming a victory, there has to be a battle, meaning you're gonna have to go against that problem. We do so by holding on to the promises of God. And God's promise to the Israelites is very specific. March around the city six times, do it like this. On the seventh day, here's what you're doing. Seven times, then blow the trumpets and scream real loud and watch my promise be fulfilled. There's a problem, there's also a promise. Now be very careful here, right? Pay attention online at home, wake up for a second. What I'm not suggesting is figure out your problem and walk around it for seven days like this, right? That's, that's a specific promise for Joshua and the Israelites. Let me say it one more time. This promise of marching around the city is specific to Joshua and the Israelites, but there are promises that we can claim. There are principles that we can pull out of this that, that lead us into holding on to those promises even in the midst of our problems. So I wanna talk about some of those principles and we'll see those in the New Testament as well. So what's the first thing that, that God commanded Joshua and his army to do? What were they to do around the city for six days? They were to what? March, oh, I heard walk. March, it's easy to get that one mixed up, right? It's not walk, it's not run, it's not lollygag, it's not, right? It's, it's march around the city. March around the city, super intentional. In fact, marching is very purposeful and it's very intentional. March with purpose and intentionality. I'm gonna need some help with the kids in the room and if you've got kids at home online, you're gonna participate with this as well. Kids, will you do me a favor? Will you just stand up? It's okay, this is gonna be fun. I'm not gonna make you come up front or anything, just stand up. All right, I'm gonna have you march with me for a second. We're not walking, we're not running. We're gonna march. Can I see what it looks like to march? At home, I went to see pictures of this. Post them, ready? Let me see you march for a second. Let me see you march, march, march. I even see some adults starting to march. Isn't it funny how you almost have to nod your head in order to march? It's like it's just part of it, right? All right, now stay standing with me. Stay. You thought you were done. You're not done yet. Did you know there's a right way to march, right? So if you were to be in the army, which I have not been, so any of my military members, thank you for your service, and please don't judge me for how bad my marching is about to be. And if I get this slightly wrong, a lot of forgiveness. All right, so kids, ready? At home, in the room, you're gonna get your feet about 45 degrees apart. You don't know what 45 degrees is, so don't worry about that part. You get your feet together like that one, right? You're gonna stand up tall, chest out, eyes forward. You always face ahead. Now your arms are not stiff, but they are straight. I know that's gonna sound a little confusing. It is for me too. Your hands are not in a fist, but they're gonna be cupped and your thumbs are gonna be pointed down. Make sure your thumbs are pointed down. All right, now, you're always gonna start with your left foot. Show me what your left foot looks like. 
Most of you, that's pretty good. There you go. Parents, do you know which your left foot is? Anyway, so you're always going to start with your left foot. You're going to start with your left foot and your right arm. This is where I get really confused. So it's going to start with this, right? Your left foot goes out and your right arm goes out. That's your first movement, right? So when you say, ready, march, or whatever the command might be, you're going to go left foot, right arm out, and then you're going to come back together. Not bad. You did well. Go ahead and have a seat. Great job. Hey, give our kids a round of applause at home. Great job. There's a lot to marching, though. And if you get in a little bit further, and again, my military people know this, where it's, it's a 30-inch step and you land on your heels, your arms are supposed to be nine inches to the front, six inches to the rear. It's very, very specific and intentional and purposeful. There's commands that go with it. So when God says, march around the city, it's not just, well, just kind of mosey on around the city. No, he says, no, I want you to take every single step with purpose, one step at a time, one step at a time, and we're going to do it together, and we're going to do it with purpose, we're going to do it with intentionality. As we are walking into problems, may we begin to march, and what I mean by that is every single step matters, and we do it with intentionality. Here's what we read in uh, Ephesians Chapter 5, verse 15. Listen to the purpose and the intentionality with how we step every single step along the way. Verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Look at this, verse 16. Making the most of every single opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's, the Lord's will is. What is God's will in this step? What is God's will in this step? What is God's will in this step? You keep taking steps. You march with confidence, with your head held high, and you walk with that problem, but with purpose and intentionality, and every step is meaningful. Don't miss that. Every single step is meaningful. So they were to march. What's the next set of instructions? March in what way with the city? Next to the city, up to the city, away from the city? What's the word that describes it? They march around the city. They're to do circles around the city. They do one lap once a day for six days, and then they do seven laps on the seventh day. Here's the principle we can pull out of that. Take another lap, but with consistency and grit. Oh, that word grit is great for the Israelites here, and it's great for us as we're dealing with our problems and oppositions in our own Jerichos. Take another lap. Consistency. They did it each and every day without fail. They did not give up. Grit, that's the endurance. That's what keeps you going, even when you're not seeing results. Because one of the hardest things to do is to be faithful and to obey and not see results. Can we agree on that? That's difficult. I'm obeying, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm being faithful, I've given Jesus my heart and I've given him my life and I'm, I'm taking steps with intentionality and with purpose. I feel like I'm doing the right things for the most part. No, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than they are. Oh, but I'm not seeing any change. Nothing's happened. See, going around in circles seems pretty pointless. No offense, NASCAR fans. Some of you are like, I am highly offended right now. <laughs> I'm your new Jericho. You're welcome. <laughs> but going around in circles just seems kind of pointless. Like you're, There's no destination. Like, where are you going? It's not, it doesn't feel like a here to there. It's just, we'll just keep doing the same thing. Well, what am I going to do tomorrow? The same thing I did yesterday. Well, what am I going to do on the third day? The same thing I did on the second day. What about the fourth day? Same thing I did on the third day. 
but nothing's happening. It must not be working. Why are we still doing this? Consistency, grit. You keep going. You don't give up. You take another lap. I'm convinced we give up way too quick. Imagine the Israelites saying, six days? And on the seventh, I have to do it how many times? That's way too much. God, why couldn't we just do this on one lap? That's a, that's a valid question. What's so special about doing it this many times, this many in this way? God, why not just do it now? Why just not fix it now? It's as if God is saying, take another lap. I want you to grow in your consistency. I want you to grow in your endurance. We hear about that in the New Testament, about perseverance and endurance. Take another lap. In Galatians, we read this. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 9, or verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. I want you to read this last part with me at home and in here. We will reap a harvest here. Read it with me. If we do not give up. One more time. If we do not give up. That's what taking another lap looks like for us. You don't give up. By the fifth day, I would have been exhausted and, and frustrated and disappointed and discouraged. God, this isn't doing anything. Don't give up. Wake up. Take another lap. Well, we tried marital counseling that, that one time. It just didn't work. Take another lap. I've been to a couple AA meetings, and it just, it's not for me. It just didn't stick. Take another lap. Well, this job, it just feels like a dead-end job. Take another lap. This parenting thing is hard, especially when you lock your kids out of the house and they miss their very first day of school. <laughs> Take another lap. Any situation where we might have a dialogue and it's, I think I gotta be done, can I encourage you to take another lap? If you're doing the right things, that's what Galatians tells us. Tells us don't become weary in doing good. Now, if you're doing the wrong things, stop going around in that circle. That's a spiral. That's not a circle. That's another topic. Take another lap if you're doing the right things. Don't give up. So we march with intentionality and with purpose. We take another lap. We go in circles, so to speak, but with grit and consistency. The last thing that God commanded them to do, you remember on the seventh day, they were to, walk, they were to march around the city seven times. The trumpets sound and give a big what? You remember? They give a big shout. Now, there's a couple words in the Old Testament Hebrew language that shout can mean. There's shout as in just like, ah, that maybe you would do when you're scared or when something surprises you. There's a shout of anger that's coming out of like emotion and anger and rage. There's another word, and if you've been around me long enough, you know this is my second favorite Hebrew word. Everybody needs a couple of them. It's, you ready? Teruah. Oh, come on, that just, if that doesn't wake you up in the morning, I don't know what will. We're going to teach you this word because all day it's going to be in your head. All week you're going to be wanting to say this. You're going to start saying this to your kids. Like, I don't know what it means, but I'm going to say it. Say it with me. Teruah. No, 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 no. No, this is like, if you've seen the movie 300, this is like when you do one of these. Teruah. That's how you say the word. So one more time. Teruah. I didn't see any of this. It's just, there you go, a couple of your pity pets. I appreciate that. No, Teruah is a rally cry, not necessarily a war cry, but it's a rally cry where everybody together, we're yelling 
for the same reason, the same purpose. We're doing it together and with confidence. Notice, they yelled to Ruah before the walls came down, not afterwards. So they're celebrating about what God is about to do, not what they just saw him do. Please don't miss that. When they, at the end of their seventh day, marching around the city seven times, and they all yelled, they all, Teruah, then they saw what God was about to do. We shout with confidence and unity. Togetherness is huge. Expectant of what God is going to do, that's confidence. So they marched, intentionality and purpose. They went in circles, they took another lap, they didn't give up, grit, Consistency, endurance, perseverance. And they shouted together, Teruah, God's got this. Not we've got this, God's got this. So those are the principles. Again, if we wanna try to apply that to our own problems, uh, again, I'm not suggesting, if I see any wives walking and marching around their husbands, I'll know what you're trying to do, but it's not gonna work. (laughs) But I could encourage you to Make sure every step is with purpose and intentionality. I could tell you, based on what we read in the New Testament, to continue to have endurance and grit. Just what we read in uh, with the shouting, Hebrews chapter 10. Listen to the, the confidence and the unity that we're told as the early church, as, as the New Testament church. Verse 24, and let us consider... Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. That's how we unify. We push each other together. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching, we continue to spur one another on. That's the heart behind Teruah. So they followed those instructions. Joshua and the Israelites, for six days, they marched around the city without seeing any part of the wall crumble. Six whole days, they kept marching, they kept marching, they kept marching. On the seventh day, how many times? Seven times around the city. Here's what happens. Verse 15, Joshua chapter 6. On the seventh day, they got, uh, at the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, the same way we've done for the last six days. In the same manner, except that on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, Teruah, for the Lord has given you the city. Now, don't miss what Joshua commanded. He says, give that shout with confidence and unity, but why? For the Lord has given you the city. It's not for you have worked really hard this last week. It wasn't shout for you have given it your best effort. It wasn't shout for you have earned this. It wasn't shout for you have deserved this. It wasn't shout for you can do this. It wasn't shout because you've got this. It was shout for the Lord has given you this city. Oh, always remember the why. And for us, the why is a who. For the Lord has given you this city. That victory that is about to happen is only because of God and his promise. Verse 20, God makes good on his promise. When the trumpets sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They had victory. They won. Remember verse 2? See, I've already given you the city. Well, there had to be a battle first in there. And in this case, in this specific story, the battle was 
marching around a city for seven days. What battle are you fighting? What is your problem in the promised land, so to speak? What's your Jericho that you find yourself saying, are you kidding me? I thought I was past this. God, you promised and, and you've done a lot of great things, but really now this, I can't handle one more thing. 2020 needs to be done by now. No more. March with intentionality. Every step matters. Get up and take another lap. And then tomorrow, get up again and take another lap. And have people around you that are shouting the same thing. For the Lord has given you this aid. For the Lord has got you. God's promises to, Jer to Joshua and the Israelites are different than our promises that we've been given. But they're still promises, aren't they? It's the promise to be with us, the promise to love us unconditionally, the promise to be our comforter, the promise to take care of us and provide for us, the promise to lead us, the promise to guide us, the promise of salvation, the promise for life and life to the full. See, victory comes, Judd Wilhite said this, victory comes when you apply God's promise to the problem. It's exactly what the Israelites did. They took God's promise, march around the city for six days, and then on the seventh day, do it seven times. They took his promise and they applied it to their problem and the walls came down. So what promises are you holding on to? Are you applying them to your problem? Or are you more focused on the problem than his promises? You might know this, but I want to say this out loud because I want this to sink not just into your head, but into your heart. The promises of God that we claim, that we can claim, are so much bigger than the problems that you are facing. God's promise for the Israelites was so much bigger than the problem of Jericho and the walls. Whatever problem you are facing, I promise that the promises of God are bigger. Do you know the promise of God, though? Start there. I want to read a poem for you, and then we'll close out. Rightfully titled, it is called Victory in Christ. This road's going to be hard. I know it will be tough. I know the battle ahead will be stormy and rough. But this I know and believe the fight is not mine solely, for Jesus will be with me through this journey entirely. This road is going to be long. I know it will be grueling. I know the struggle will be uphill and exhausting. But this I know and believe. God's word will keep me going. And through the challenges, the way he will be showing. This road's gonna be hard. Don't know how long on it I'll spend. But I know and believe victory will be mine in the end. Those were great principles we pulled out of the Jericho story of marching and taking laps and shouting Teruah. You can march all day long, but if Jesus Christ isn't your Lord and your Savior, you're, the marching's not going to help. The going in circles isn't going to help, and you shout as long as you want, but unless Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, you're not going anywhere. 1 John chapter 5 tells us that. 
for every child of God defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through our faith. Say faith with me, faith. And who can win this battle against the world? That's a great question. I'd love the answer to that. I'm glad he gives it to us. Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Whatever battle you are in, whatever obstacle you are facing, none is greater than the sin of our lives. The sin of past and the sins of future. Thank God for the cross and his son, Jesus Christ. That's, that's where our victory lies. For the Lord. So yes, by all means, march with intentionality. Keep taking laps and please don't give up. Don't stop doing the right things even if you're not seeing immediate results. Have people around you to shout together with, with confidence and unity. But the number one thing is Jesus, nothing else. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we come before you, we recognize all the things we try to do. And yes, you have given us clear instructions on how to live. Old Testament, New Testament, you guide us and you lead us in so many different ways. But in this moment, I would pray that we first and foremost check our hearts and ask you to be in them. Jesus, if, if we have anything that we need to talk through with you, I pray that that would happen at home or here in this room. If anyone's needing to make that decision to make Jesus Lord and Savior for the first time, I pray there's no delay. Don't have to have all the answers. We say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. And I can't do this without you. Forgive me. Move into my life. Maybe we just need to keep doing the right things and we need to remember that you are constantly with us. Whatever we need, I pray your Holy Spirit would move in this moment. For the Lord, our victory is in you. In Jesus' name, amen.